With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And welcome to the A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I'm Charlie Burst, here as always with my co-host and A to Z Sports Tennessee writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. If that sounds good to you, make sure that you go over and subscribe on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on iTunes and Spotify. New episodes drop there every single Monday, and the season's about to start, so you're going to want to make sure that you get over there and subscribe to hear the best of all's talk on the internet. And then, on top of that, we have social media, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z Sports on Twitter, and uh, A to Z, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville, and A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes. I think that's all the academic stuff. Zach, I've had housework to do this whole weekend, and I haven't been able to watch football. And it's honestly pissed me off because I've had uh, a bunch of friends of mine, like, texting. We have, like, there's the guys that I watch football with here locally or just sports in general, and we have a group text. And they have been texting all day long for the last two days. Oh, it's so fun. Look at the football. The football is fun. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. And I'm over here. Having to paint my house. <sighs> I need to watch football. You you have been, it seems, you've been lucky enough to watch. How has it been in the land of the living? Yeah, I was kind of thinking while you're doing that intro, it kind of dawned on me that watching college football yesterday with no SEC, it almost felt like a, a version of preseason college football. Well, it's kind of like, I'm glad to have it back, but this is not the main event. This is not what we're all here for. I'm ready for SEC football. I'm, now I'm really anticipating, you know, Tennessee and, and South Carolina playing in two weeks. It, it didn't feel like the real deal. No offense to Clemson and, and all the ACC teams, Georgia Tech, I know had a big win and, and Florida State fans are kind of upset right now. But yeah, it, it felt like preseason football to me. And see that that has been my only solace. I've, I've wanted to watch football very badly. We had, we got like people coming here soon that we're trying to get everything painted and ready and clean and all this stuff for. So I, uh, you know, it, it has to be done. Uh, but that has been my only solace is is that the SEC hasn't played. Believe you me, I will not be missing real college football. <laughs> you know, it, it it was fun though. I I did get to watch while while I ate uh, some lunch yesterday. I watched some of Notre Dame Duke. And that was cool, but literally that's all I've seen. <laughs> and so I, I will be watching the Titans tomorrow. Uh, tighten up, folks. If you don't know, I'm a big old Titans fan over here. I believe, are you You wearing a, a Jags jersey? What is that? No, no, this is a McCaffrey jersey. 
Oh, 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 yeah. You live in Carolina. What am I? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. It's it was the. It's it's like over Zoom. Maybe it's a little discolored or something. It looked oh, like yeah, the yeah. blue that they wear. Uh, the, yeah, the Jags are the worst. But, um, yeah, but they they were, but they were the only team today that had fans at their game. They were, which I mean, now that we've seen it all through college football, it seems pretty silly that there's not that they're not having fans at these NFL games because it's I, honestly from the looks of the games that I've seen. Uh, like that Notre Dame game, saw uh, clips of the Florida State game and things like that. I, I mean, these people are in the stands, but they're not around other other people. It just, just my own it changes the whole, even though it looks like kind of like the end of a fourth quarter blowout game, it still makes the game a little more watchable, I feel, because when they showed, I was watching a game today, I believe it was... Uh, when Tampa Bay and New Orleans were, were kicking off there, I flipped over there to see Tom Brady in a in a Tampa Bay uniform, which was weird enough. And they show the stands, and it's just completely empty from that kind of overhead view. It's just eerie. I mean, it's kind of unsettling to see that in an NFL game. It's one thing to see it in a baseball game. You're kind of used to seeing sparse crowds at baseball games in, in late summer. For the NFL, it's just not – what I'm accustomed to seeing and just seeing some fans there like the Jaguars game, college games, it, it just makes it a little easier to, it's still different, but it's not, there's a little bit of normalcy there. Now I do, I do wonder with NFL games, the crowd is not as much of a factor. Typically week in, week out your, your crowd. It's just not, it's just not the same as college, but a college crowd I'll I'll be honest. Watching, uh, just the the bits that I have, it seems I don't want to say normal. It's definitely not as loud. But when somebody scores a touchdown or whatever it might be, makes a play, you can definitely hear the crowd. And I don't know if that's the TV channel making a concerted effort to like mic the crowd that's there and really try to hone in on that. But I even with the small crowd, specifically with college, just because it is. It's such an integral part of the game. And it, it's honestly, w- when they do college basketball without a crowd, like obviously some of those early season, you know, Maui tournaments and stuff like those don't have crowds. That's fine. But when you get into like big time conference ball in basketball, man, and it's just, it's the same in football, but like basketball specifically, just cause it's, you know, you're inside in a closed in gym and the crowd's right there by the court. And it just it change it, that that will genuinely fundamentally change everything. Oh yeah, you watch a you watch like a Duke basketball game, and that's you hear the crowd the entire game. The crowd and, is legitimately the sixth yeah. man in, in a so situation. That, that will be very strange. Yeah, but uh, it it is nice the the college football games that have had crowds. Seems like it's most of them in any that I saw. <laughs> I, I didn't really see. Well, it didn't have them. But yesterday, well, Clemson and Wake Forest, Wake Forest didn't have any. Oh, okay, so I mean, I didn't see that. Yeah, but it was kind of a laugh last night because I was in and out watching that game, and I flipped over to that channel, and it's I think it was thirty-four to three Clemson. I think they were getting ready to. They were like third down in the red zone. I think Wake stopped them, held them to a field goal. That third down play, the pumped-in crowd noise is super loud. Now, yeah, I'm I live in the same town as Wake Forest. I've been to a lot of Wake Forest football games, and it's 
it's not a very lively crowd. And if Wake Forest is down by 30 points in the fourth quarter of the Clemson, there probably aren't any Wake fans even left at the game. And the pumped-in crowd noise would have made you think it was the national championship on the line. I mean, it's like you got to dial it back and make it a little realistic here. That's silly. Don't do that. Just leave the crowd out of it. Just don't do the fake noise. Don't just don't. Like I do like a little bit of the fake noise because it's just when it's so quiet, it is kind of, like I said, eerie. Though at the same time today, I noticed you really, especially with the NFL, with as many microphones as they have on the field, you hear a lot of stuff coming from the field. A lot of there was no edits. There was no delay where they were trying to censor anything. There was a lot of things you got to hear today. And, it's oh, fun. I and I need to review some of that and go see see what I missed because I I definitely feel out of the loop uh, right now. At least with NFL ball. Um, no, I did. Okay, so I did get to see Thursday night's NFL game, and I'll say this: the Chiefs had crowd. Yeah, they had some fans. The twenty was twenty percent or whatever. Um, it's like eighteen thousand, which is kind of funny because that's about yeah. what you did at a basketball game. Yeah. And I mean that's that's a crowd that's yeah. certainly and, and a crowd that's invested. You can make a decent amount of noise with eighteen thousand people, um, and they did. And and I would say, spe- specifically with the way that the camera is uh, on most of those games, you don't see the crowd. You don't even know until they run into the end zone. And then you notice like, oh, there's nobody in the end zone. But with football, you, you don't see the crowd. If you didn't tell me that that uh, you know ev- there was uh, the spaced out crowd and it was completely different i don't think i would have known if you didn't show it on tv and you didn't tell me i would have been like is there maybe there's not as many people there as usual i might have noticed that but other than that specifically with an nfl game like i said yeah it's definitely more noticeable with like an nba game where the crowd is always somewhat in the picture in an nba game yeah and as i already mentioned basketball and really college basketball is that's going to be strange. We'll have to see how that goes. But it, yeah, I, largely, I didn't really notice with the with the Chiefs-Texans game. Uh, it felt, generally speaking, pretty normal, which well, today, is great. And I'm today happy felt it. like a pretty normal football Sunday. I mean, kind of in that Good. that same spirit. I mean, you're, you're watching these plays happen. You're watching a football game, and they're cutting in to show you what's happening in another football game. I mean, it's just kind of your typical – Sunday football, like you said, you don't really see the crowd, so there's not a huge difference there. You're same guys on the field. It's not a different game other than the referees wearing face masks, having to take it off every time they make a call, and half of the people on the sidelines taking them off to holler into their headsets. I mean, <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose because they're only taking them off when they're shouting out, which yeah. is when you should be wearing it, but that's a whole other discussion <laughs> that people have yeah. plenty of opinions on. But uh, yeah, but besides that, I even I, I will say one of the things that I like the most that I noticed just lately is that the the specific virus commercials have been taken down a notch, which is nice because at the beginning there, uh, every commercial was like in times like these. Oh, they were very depressing. <laughs> This uh, now more than ever, buy a Toyota. Like it was just you know this, 
it was just it was so annoying where it was just like we yeah we, we all know we yeah, know what we're happened. living it we're living yes. it we know i'm i'm alive <laughs> you know <laughs> i know what's happening uh and they finally it seems like they've toned that down some there there's probably an undercurrent in a lot of the commercials of it but they're not legitimately like all healthcare workers are heroes please buy a mazda like it's you know yeah it's just different they, make, they make sure they get somebody <laughs> with a face mask by themselves yeah. in the commercial but that's yeah it has they have dialed it back a bit it yes which which is good but uh otherwise i i'm glad and i will be very happy uh specifically next uh i i have something this coming saturday too it's gonna take up my whole day but uh this coming sunday I'm going to give my all to some football and uh, it's still not going to be the SEC, but uh, I, I will at least get to watch a full day of football, which will be nice for the first time in a year. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, that's great. And we can give a little update here up top about the state of college football. Obviously, it's going to as of right now, and I don't see foresee anything changing. Uh, the SEC is happening. Big 12, ACC and the Big Ten finally coming around, according to even according to reports from the doom and gloomers like Pete Thamel, the Big Ten is probably going to end up playing. I believe he reported earlier today there is a lot of optimism. The meeting today was very uh, positive, and they feel like they will probably be starting. This is exactly what we predicted on the last episode of the show. They're going to start like first or second week of October, have a shortened season, even from the SEC's shortened season, uh, which is going to be some nonsense. But nonetheless, at least it looks like they're going to play a nice turn of events. Yeah. I mean, I feel like they realized they screwed up and if they could go back and do it again, they would not have taken the approach they did. And they kind of got in too deep. And especially when the sec and ACC didn't follow, it's like, okay, uh, we obviously, we have to play though. They shouldn't really be involved in the playoff with this even more shortened season. How does that factor? I mean, do you put a, I don't know how many games they'll play, but if they play, Seven games. You put a seven and Ohio State in over a eight and two LSU. It's gonna be a mess. And but it's at the same time, I would rather that happen than have them not play. I will say, like, yeah, I'm glad they're coming around, especially yeah. for the kids. I mean, the kids want to play, the coaches exactly. want to play, the parents want them to play. Everybody wants to play. It was just the Big Ten itself that made this kind of road decision without really talking to anybody. And still, what I cannot believe, honestly, we make fun of these guys a lot, but it is genuinely shocking to me. Like, where is even an undercurrent of a movement for the Pac-12? Does no, do they just not really not care? Nobody the big, cares. I mean, the Big Ten response was was about what I would say I expected. All the players, all the families, tons of fans coming out. They want to play. Some of those programs are the most storied programs in America. I mean, they they have some real powerhouses. There are some real powerhouses in, in the Pac-12, or at least previous powerhouses. Your USC's, your, I mean, like Washington, to whatever extent, they played in the playoff. Oregon, like there are some, some pretty good programs in the Pac-12, despite the fact that they don't make it to the playoff a lot. And it's, you know, most of the time we just watch it at 1 a.m. for fun at the end of a football day. But still... Like, there's just nothing. Just nobody cares. <laughs> it's it's so strange. But I, like, as much as I have mocked them, like, really, nobody cares. It's, well, I, don't I mean, those are, it, that. I, it is, if, 
if Michigan and Penn State's playing and Auburn and Arkansas State's playing, I'm going to flip over and watch Michigan and Penn State. Yeah. But with those Pac-12 games where they're on so late, and if they are on, it's not a, it's Oregon State and Arizona State or something. It's just not an intriguing game. I don't even think about those games ever. So the fact they're not playing, I don't really feel like I'm missing anything. There's nothing there. Like Michigan, Ohio State, you kind of look forward to that. I'm not a Big Ten guy, but that's a great, it's a great matchup. It's a great rivalry. It's historic. I want to see it. USC, UCLA, that's like their big rivalry. I don't, I don't know. I'm not really that interested in it. I don't want to act like I'm going to lose sleep over not being able to watch Washington State versus Utah, especially with no Mike Leach. Now that was like the one yeah, draw. That's true. Um, but at, at the same time, I mean, I, I feel the same way about those players as I do about the kids. Yeah, they, I hope they play. Them. Yeah, I, I, I really I would love for them to play. And I'm sure there's tons of Pac-12 players that want to play. Um, but it's uh, like I don't think the playoff would miss the Pac-12. <laughs> they've they've well, really never been a factor in the playoff. And, and there is just that that factor to it. But I look at it this way still. Even if the Pac-12 considers themselves whatever, like, oh, we're we're still going to be whatever we are over here and we're going to sit out the season, those programs are still held up financially very, very similarly to the SEC, the, the ACC, the Big Ten, where your football programs and your basketball programs hold up everything else financially. They subsidize the rest of the sports, more or less. And it's still going to be completely devastating because if you if you thought spring ball wasn't happening before, it's certainly not happening with the Pac-12 by itself only. Right, they're not yeah. playing till next year. They're not. I mean, they're, they're not going to play football for a year if they don't play. I don't and understand so, why they didn't just let programs opt in and opt out like players. Sure. Leave it up to the programs. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're... I think some of the talk around the Big Ten has kind of been that way where you have some of these schools that are being real staunch, like a, like a Northwestern maybe, um, that is still just going to be like, no, we're not. Because, you know, who does what? Like, yeah, nobody's going to notice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where they might still sit out. Uh, but, like, it's still in the Pac-12, it's still held up the same exact way. And it's going to be completely devastating. I mean, you are talking long-term massive effects and a spring season's not happening. That's not, that's a fantasy. That's in, in the delusional mind of Dan Wolken. like the spring season's not happening. And I, I, I don't know. It's, it's unfortunate. Cause like I said, I mean, you have your organs and your USC's that are real big time programs and you're just not here to peep out of them. Like, do they, yeah, they're not on any path to reconsider like the big 10. No, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it, I mean, it, they're to the point where it's almost too late. I mean, I don't see how they can reverse course. I mean, the Big Ten is almost too late. Um, I don't. I don't see it happening with the Pac-12. Well, either way, I think we could talk miles around that. But there is, of course, in two weeks, uh, Tennessee football. And folks, this is exciting. Now, t- Tennessee, we we can give a quick update around things that have happened in the program. This. Uh, Tennessee has, in the last couple of weeks, had some problems with the coronavirus cases. They had to cancel a scrimmage. 
Um, and then I think Pruitt said it was, what, seven or eight players. Uh, and then consequently, at one point, those seven or eight players caused 44 players in total to have to be in isolation or however that works. Well, some of those were injuries. I do that, that too. He Yes, he did. He did mention that. But 44 players who were not able right. to play, so they had to cancel the scrimmage. Um, but then it seems like they've, they've come around now. They were able to scrimmage this weekend and, and this past week. They had full practices, and and hopefully they're they're getting over all of that. You just got to make sure that the game week you don't have any of that going on, because you I mean you already saw Virginia Tech. Virginia has been canceled, or I guess not canceled, postponed, uh, because Virginia Tech has not gotten their their stuff under control. And so, as long as it's happening now, and not in two weeks, uh, let's you know get it under control. Well, be serious that seems and, to be part of the reason why the SEC, you know, kind of put it back was to deal with any issues that might come up. So I kind of wonder how they'll approach this next week or so. But also that gives you two weeks of bad things that could happen. I mean, where it's true, <laughs> it's two more weeks to get through, but that's going to be the whole season. I mean, that that's nothing starting when it doesn't matter when you start, you're going to have that, you're going to have that battle all season long. You are, and it, I think the the best way to just say that is it is what it is, and we can wish that it wasn't happening, but it is. Here we are. That's the thing that that's the way that's going to be for this year. So, um, you you've already seen major games get postponed. So, let's just say to to Tennessee's players, please be careful so that uh, we can see uh, see the guys play in Columbia in two weeks. But what we're going to do in preparation for that, I mean, I, I guess uh, essentially. Uh, a, a week from now, we're going to have a preview of the game. I think that's kind of a given, uh, and that's going to be really exciting. But this week, we, we want to have a preview of just Tennessee's team as a whole. We want to take a look at the depth chart position by position and just kind of give our take on where Tennessee uh, essentially is. So we have uh, our, our friend Dan Harrelson. He put together his best guess for a depth chart because Tennessee does not have an official depth chart and you better believe Jeremy Pruitt ain't giving that out for free. So, uh, he, Dan Harrelson at, I believe, yeah, Vols wire. He, he put together what he believes it will be the depth chart for Tennessee from what he's seen. And we're going to kind of go off that and just discuss what, what he's put down on paper, uh, and, and go from there. I guess we can start with the position that everybody Wants to know about where it's going to be, what we're doing with the quarterback. And, uh, folks, it's Jared Garantano. Uh, I, I mean, let's be completely honest. We we talked about it on the last episode of this show uh, at, at a fair length. He's the guy until he's not. And that's where that position is right now. Yeah, and I think behind Garantano, I know that JT Shroud has, has had a good camp, but I don't think there is a, I don't think he'll be the clear cut number two. If something happens to Garantano, I mean, maybe he's the first one that comes in, but I think all three, uh, Garantano, I mean, uh, Shroud, Bailey and Maurer will all get a look to see what they kind of do. I don't think it'll be like, okay, Garantano's out. Shroud's now the quarterback. I think you'll see Shroud. You'll see a little bit of Bailey, some Maurer, and you'll see which one of those separates themselves if it comes to that. And I'll be interested to see what kind of, uh, I guess you could say, shenanigans that coaches get into this year with these strange eligibility rules 
that now the NCAA has yeah. instituted. Because now, where before, I guess Pruitt could have played Harrison Bailey, I believe, in four games, and he could still right. redshirt. Now he could play as much as he wants to. <laughs> and so, uh, and and basically say, hey, we can have this kid for another year if it works out that way. Um, it is and- a weird thing where I definitely think you would see more Bailey, but because it's an all SEC game, uh, all SEC schedule, we probably aren't going to have these blowout games where you kind of get to just throw a quarterback in there at the end of the game just to get them some reps. I mean, maybe that happens in a. Vanderbilt game and that's near the end of the year so I, I it is gonna be kind of an odd season with that it'll be strange maybe uh ideally Jarek Arantano uh comes out and has the spirit of Peyton Manning in him and Tennessee gets up by you know 40 points against Kentucky and South Carolina and Missouri and Bailey and then, gets some reps and then Bailey gets all those reps let's hey let's have that happen hey Jared if you're listening to the show just do that, man. <laughs> just that's the best of all worlds, <laughs> frankly. Just have Tennessee be up by uh, thirty at halftime of every game, and then, dude, Bailey will get all the reps he needs, frankly. Uh, but that's that really is it as far as that position goes. JG is the guy until he is not. I, I think that is essentially it. He he will have to prove prove himself to keep the position, or he will have to prove that he is not worthy and be replaced. Um, and I think at this point of what we know, either one of those is decently likely. So <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll see uh, what happens. I, I do like flip. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And I, I hope that it is uh, the, the first of those two options. Just play well. Just be the guy, please. Uh, but I, I do like Dan in his depth chart. He, he hashes out the wildcat position, which is, of course, is not an actual position of sorts. It's really just a package uh, that Tennessee runs from time to time uh, where, where you line up and you snap the ball directly to someone who's not the quarterback. That person runs it and he lists D Beckwith, Jimmy holiday and someone who has run out uh, of the wildcat and did so a few times last year, Corvaris crouch. This is interesting. I uh, D D back with Jimmy holiday would be kind of obviously new uh, to that position, but it is interesting just to consider that I liked it with crouch though. Uh, he, it was good having him at the goal line. It worked. A, a, I want to say two or three times last year uh, to just give it to him and he could power it in. Cause he's a monster and was kind of a linebacker running backs. Not sure when he came in, Kind of like the uh, old AJ Johnson beast package, exactly. There. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there, there is that. Any any thoughts on the Wildcat package? I just wanted to throw in. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I like, I like Crouch there. Um, but Holiday's interesting too with the speed there and being able to throw the ball. Um, Beckwith, I mean, he's a good athlete. Um, he's kind of one of those. He doesn't really have a position at this point. Could be tight end, could be wide receiver, but he's a great athlete, kind of an X-factor type player. So I think they'll probably get creative with him. I'm not sure if it'll be in the Wildcat. Could be. I mean, you can't rule that out because we we really haven't seen a lot. But Holiday and Crouch is, I really like there. Those make a lot of sense. And yeah, with with Beckwith, we're just not sure yet, frankly. Uh, but he is, he's kind of a monster. I, I was looking, yeah, he's 6'5", 220. So, I mean, he, and, you know, if he has speed, he could probably do some damage. But uh, nonetheless, 
with the the running backs, obviously the traditional running back spot, you have Ty Chandler, Eric Gray, T. Hodge, and Lynette Whitehead. Uh, Dan lists Ty Chandler first. It seemed like at the end of the year, it was going to be Eric Gray getting the bulk of the reps. I guess we'll see. Ty Chandler obviously holds the seniority there. But Eric Gray, man, he was special down the stretch last year. Yeah, I think this is kind of going to be more of a co-starter situation where Eric Gray is clearly the most talented. I think even Ty Chandler knows that based on some of his comments last week where he's talked about learning stuff from Eric Gray. And Eric Gray is just electric. He's got a great personality. We saw last year at the end of the year what he can do. Ty Chandler has his moments too. He's fast. He's definitely deserving of being there at the top of the depth chart. T. Hodge is kind of your short yardage guy. Whitehead is that too, though he's injured. Don't know when he'll be back exactly. If healthy, I like Whitehead to be that number three guy. Just not sure when he's going to play. Maybe Jabari Small creeps up in there, another true freshman. It, it'll be interesting to, to see exactly how they're used. But largely, I, I like that lineup. I I have confidence that Tennessee's run game is is going to be pretty oh yeah pr- pretty set uh as you've already touched on there and then this is <laughs> yeah Dan, Dan does he really breaks it down he goes into all-purpose back he lists Eric Gray first as an all-purpose back which I I would tend to agree um he he also throws in Jabari Small and and, and a guy that I will be honest I have forgotten was on this football team Carlin feels at me um, is a red shirt. I just looked. I was like, is that wrong? He's is he a red shirted senior? Yeah, he red shirted his his senior season in 2019, which is probably why I forgot that he was almost on this team. Wait, didn't he move um, positions at one point? I feel like didn't yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, he was on defense. He, it's been an odd time for him because he has he's gotten carries. He was hurt last year. Um but I, I guess I just didn't think he did. He redshirted last year. I mean, I knew he was uh, injured, but that's with Tim Jordan and and some others there last year. You kind of had that luxury, and which is what they did. We'll get into wide receiver too. That was something else that Pruitt did with another player as well. Yeah, but he, <laughs> I had just forgotten. Uh, and and I guess we we should mention. I said it there, uh, Tim Jordan. That kind of changes the running back room a little bit. Him being dismissed from the team. Uh, over over the off season, because he he got a decent amount of reps, uh, especially in the latter half of the season last year. Um, so it does kind of change things. But really, I look at that and I say it just gives Eric Gray more opportunity. Uh, and and then Dan lists the goal line fullback, which yes, please, Latrell Bumpus, Greg Greg Emerson, who was supposedly on the the defensive line <laughs> and then Dane Dane Davis who I'll be honest your guess is as good as mine as to who that is that's but, a guy uh, <laughs> he, he is a guy who is on this team yeah. um, but I I want to see some goal line fullback as much as I want to see the wildcat I mean I I just love that package I love Buffett's is kind of a strange guy though where he's been put everywhere it's like he he can play he has value, but where do you play him? They've tried him at defensive end, tight end. Maybe maybe fullback is, is his calling. I wouldn't mind it, but uh, that's really just a situational thing. And we can move on to uh, the, the wide receivers. 
I think your primary wide receiver is Josh Palmer. That's that's almost a given. But you have some other guys that that showed out uh, last year. A Ramel Keaton who didn't get uh, a lot of catches last year, but showed at times that he is an up and coming dude. And I, as much as you lose with Jawan Jennings heading out the door, I mean that that hurts bad. Marquez Callaway saying goodbye to Tennessee. I do like Tennessee's wide receiver room uh, led by the Canadian. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Palmer is one of those guys that I think can excel in Jim Chaney's offense. I mean, I thought he could have last year, but with Jennings and Callaway, it just kind of wasn't necessary. And everybody, Garantano's learning the offense. I think he's a guy that could really break out this year and could have an NFL future. Um, With Keaton there, Behind him, he kind of slots in wherever is needed. He shows some big playability. Um, Jalen Hyatt's another guy, the wide receiver, super fast that I really think could excel in Jim Chaney's offense. I mean, that's the whole point of Chaney's offense is it's a vertical passing game. Get the ball down the field. If Darren Tano can actually hit his targets and get them the ball, he has the arm talent. I mean, Tennessee's offense can be dangerous. Yeah, you have some interesting unknown options like a a guy that I would look at and I I guess he he falls in yeah Dan has him listed as a slot receiver Vilas Jones Jr. uh who is this uh I believe transferred right from yeah uh, from USC yeah and I mean that's a guy that has good college experience speed it's coming in yeah it's coming in ready to play knows what he's doing but we don't really know that much about exactly how he'll be used exactly what he'll be doing um but i i think he he could be a stud and then just tons of tons of youngins uh, well and plus brandon johnson i think we forget about brandon johnson who redshirted this past year so he could it's kind of a little bit of foresight from pruitt there knowing that he would need johnson more this year than he needed him last year redshirt team He's ready to be a starter there, kind of with Palmer. That's true. Brandon Johnson, a guy who has been at Tennessee, I believe, 14 years. Yes, it's somewhere. Uh, <laughs> He's a Hunter Renfro territory. <laughs> yes, he. I believe his freshman year at Tennessee was 2004. Um, so he was the last but, player to be coached by Palmer. Yes. <laughs> uh, but either way, I, it's just it's an interesting position. I, I'll just say that because there's some really exciting young guys. That, that are coming up, like your Jalen Hyatt's, and then you have some some wild cards who Cedric like Tillman, Jr. I mean, Cedric Tillman, yeah, saw a nice picture of him making a one handed catch this week in practice. I mean, maybe he turns into something there. Yes, please, I I will take it. Um, and so as much kind of pretty rough turnover as you have at that position where you're just losing two of the best guys who were who were on that team last season. I, I like I like the prospects of wide receiver for Tennessee. But then uh, at, at tight end, you have Austin Pope followed up by Jackson Lowe. This is not a, a powerful position for, for Tennessee. And no. maybe maybe these guys can step up in ways that, <laughs> that I haven't seen yet. But I and, and I guess there there are guys like a Jackson Lowe who's just young and hasn't gotten his shot yet who could who could be good. But this is a position that honestly is is lacking when I yeah. look at it. 
Austin Pope is probably your best option there with experience and just knowing what to do on the field, kind of the little things that don't show up in the stat sheet Austin Pope's good at, but is he ready for the start of the season? He's kind of questionable. Um, I don't I don't think we thought he was going to be ready at all, and now it appears that he might be. It's not glamorous what he does, but he is a valuable player. Aside from him, yeah, it's just a lot of inexperience trying to move guys around. Does D Beckwith factor in there and is kind of like that sure. more of a pass catching tight end, which is what we thought Dominic Wood Anderson was going to be in Cheney's offense, but he just never figured out. I don't know if he was an injured route runner, didn't understand the offense, but he never quite put it together. Cheney knows how to use his tight ends. If they have talent there, he will be able to use it. Hopefully one of these guys steps up. Maybe it's Jackson Lowe. Maybe it's Jacob Warren, who who was a oh, yeah. very highly very recruited. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, there, there's talent there. There's just so much unknown, like you said. Like nobody really knows. I'm not expecting one of those guys to step up, but maybe they do. Hopefully. Uh, but that is not a position of strength when, when I look at it, but hopefully we'll be pleasantly surprised uh, as far as tight end goes. Moving on to the offensive line, you have at, at left tackle. I mean, this is just, dude, Tennessee's offensive line is an absolute powerhouse. I, this, this is the strength of the team. Uh, you have Wanya Morris, former five-star uh, at, at left tackle. This is just how, how Dan uh, spreads it out. I think you'll you'll probably see some amount of shuffling uh, around just to feel out exactly what the best combo is. But he just lists Wanya Morris there. But I mean, just across the line, I, I guess you could really just say this: Wanya Morris, Jameer Johnson, Trey Smith. If he gets this waiver and Cade Mays and his his lawyer did come out and say they've sent in the appeal, they're trying to get it figured out before the season starts. We'll see how that how that goes. But just. Uh, obviously, you're anchored by by Trey Smith at at left guard, and then you have I mean J- Jerome Carvin, K. Ron Calvert at center. You have Brandon Kennedy, who another guy who started his college career in 1996, I think, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then p- potentially uh, still moving across Cooper Mays, Cade Mays's brother, who does have his eligibility, um, and and at right guard. It, would that not be Cade Mays if he gets to play? That's yeah, kind of how, he's how right I guard. feel. Yes, uh, it, exactly. Wanya yeah. um, Morris, Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, Cade Mays, and then Darnell Wright. I mean, that is a that's the best offensive line in the SEC if that happens. Yes, at, at right tackle you have Darnell Wright. That's a given. Uh, another former five star. But when when you just look at the guys, the guys who will be the starters and the guys they're backed up by, they're it's all good depth. Yeah, they're they're all they're all either five or four star guys, generally speaking, uh, and guys that have experience. You have what I would say, and Trey Smith is the best leader in the SEC as far as absolutely. You know, like I I don't know every piece of every uh, roster in that league, but my gosh, it it would be I think you'd be hard pressed to find a kid who's a better leader than Trey Smith. It's just not a better and, kid than him. Yeah, and that's it is it's the best offensive line in the SEC. Yeah. I think. Yeah, Ollie man. Lane, Ollie Lane, another name we didn't even mention. Yeah. Like there's there there's depth there. I mean that that's something we have not been able to say about Tennessee's offensive line in a long time. Not since the, ironically, not since Derek Dooley's last year, really, when they had a great offensive line. Yes, and that's really really exciting because 
honestly, as far as the offense goes, I think the, the offense goes as the offensive line goes. You just, you saw it so much in the last few years with Tennessee when the offensive line was getting ripped, Tennessee got ripped. I mean, you just, Jarek Garantano has gotten his head beaten in and a great offensive line can make such a difference, obviously with your running game, but giving your quarterback time to think and, and, and play and especially with a guy like Carantano, who is not necessarily known for his speed of getting the ball out. Um, I think it could do wonders for, for this offense. I hope it does. And good Lord NCAA, you losers. Give Cade Mays a waiver. This year doesn't even count towards eligibility. There's no reason that Cade May should not be able to play. So stupid. I it's mean, beyond that, so stupid. that's not, I mean, that's just like the icing on the cake type deal. He should yeah. be able to play anyway. He absolutely should. But all in all, when, when when I look at the depth chart for for Tennessee, as I said, the the only real what I would say weak spot, quote unquote, uh, with with this offense, obviously quarterback is unknown. Please, Jared, step it up and then tight end. But otherwise, I, I like what Tennessee is working with. They should have the firepower to move the ball. It, it might not be LSU last year, but. I think it could be pretty good. Yeah, it really all comes down to a quarterback. I mean, obviously the offensive line, we feel like it's going to be able to protect Garantano, giving time. If he can get the ball in the hands of his playmakers, Chaney will be able to put them where they need to be. It will all work itself out. And plus, Eric Gray is like a cheat code, and you just hand him the ball, and good things happen more often than not. That's kind of like your safety valve. Things aren't going well. I could see a third and nine situation get him the ball out in space and, you know, do what Florida has done to Tennessee for years and break some hearts. Yeah. When, when in doubt, go to Eric Gray. Let's win some football games because you can't win if you don't score. Lordy, Tennessee has had a tough time scoring last year. Hopefully it gets better uh, <laughs> with what they're working with. We shall see. But moving to the defensive side of the ball, we'll start at defensive tackle in, in inside defensive lineman. Uh, you have Aubrey Solomon, Matthew Butler, Savion Williams, and Amari Thomas. And and this is, I don't want to say it's all a question mark. We saw Aubrey Solomon play, but he was not some kind of revelation. Um, he was he was he was okay. That's how I would say it. He was okay. <laughs> Gonna need to see more out of this yeah. position, big time. Yeah, there's no one there that you look at and say well, that's a future NFL starter like there's Not nobody yet. there that I feel like maybe Omari Thomas he certainly has the talent he could play on either side of the ball and be effective based on what we've seen in recruiting but he's young no experience Solomon you kind of he has the potential but we haven't seen it yet Butler solid player but he, it's not star he's kind of like a role player I mean he's not somebody that anchors the defensive line I need to see more. I think that's really the bottom line with with that set of guys. Just maybe it's there. Just show it. Go out and and work hard and and show it because that is certainly a position where I look and I just kind of go like, "Ah, that'll do. But that's about how good I feel about it. I mean, a dominant dominant defensive tackle can change the entire – it's kind of one of those positions that you don't don't see them – wreaking havoc in the backfield necessarily where you don't hear their name called. It's not a, a chase young where you're racking up sacks, but they're involved in every play. They're blowing up blockers. 
yeah. disrupting plays where you don't really notice it happening, but they're changing the whole outcome of the play. They're just not in the stat sheet. Yes, they're they're disruptive. I think that's that's really the main thing that you get out of a tackle. It is it is a bit of an unsung position, kind of like an offensive lineman, because you're not out there making the sack most of the time. But a yeah, a great tackle can be huge for a defense. And so let's step it up. Let's see, let's see what those guys can do. You move on to to nose. Uh also on uh in inside D line. Greg Emerson, Croc Garland, Elijah Simmons, Dominic Bailey. Very similar situation. Here. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Do, I mean, potential. I There's potential there. Yeah. I mean, maybe Elijah Simmons. That's a guy that I really liked in the recruiting process. I think everybody did. You know, he had the, the chain around his neck and yeah. was some, some fun pictures there where it's like, look at this guy. He looks like he's 30. He's got potential. We just need to see it. Just got to see it. That's the long and the short uh, of that position without dwelling on it for – for too long, and then uh, the probably the most fun position on on defense. You got your defensive end, Darrell Middleton is is the man here, and I am excited to see where he goes. Now I look at Darrell Middleton, and I do say about him, he has NFL potential. I I don't know that he's there yet, but I say potential. Some of the plays that he made last year, I went whoa, Ooh. like look at this dude. The Alabama uh, game. I mean, he showed yeah. up in the Alabama game. He was blowing some people up. And so I the, the potential is there. He he has to keep his head on his shoulders. He got into trouble this offseason. Can't be doing any of that. Put your nose to the grindstone and, and be become the best player that you can be. And I think he has a ton of potential. Then also Latrell Bumpus, who we talked about a little bit earlier. Uh, Queen Blakely and John Mincy. All of those uninspiring names. It's still sort of that. Yeah, that's fine, but we just yeah, I got it. I got it. Almost like Pruitt. I mean, this is a lot of these players. I mean, they're Pruitt's first classes. He recruited a lot of size. Like he tried to get big guys because Tennessee was kind of small on the defensive line. They didn't really have. I mean, you had defensive ends playing defensive tackle under Butch Jones. It just wasn't. It didn't work. I think Pruitt was trying to get bigger first and foremost in the recruiting process. And now we're kind of seeing some of the guys he's recruited, the Terrence Brooks and these guys that are in, a part of the class so far, a little more maybe rush the passer, but he added size and that's kind of what we're seeing with his depth chart. Yeah. And we'll just with the, the whole defensive line in general, just bring it, just be, <laughs> be better than you have been. I'll, I'll say that because uh, it's, it is not a position that is inspiring me right now when I, I look at that set of dudes, but uh, there is that. Uh, moving on now, that this is where I Dan Dan gets a little deep uh, in in the defensive. Uh, I guess breaking breaking down all of the di- different defensive uh, minutia here, he breaks out a little bit more than I probably want to go into. This is linebacker. <laughs> he breaks it down into Jack, Mike, Sam, like uh, Will. Like, but what you need to know is Henry Toto is calling the shots at, at linebacker, which is exciting. Then you, you also have flanking him. Uh, you have Quavaris Crouch. You have now Jeremy Banks, uh, DeAndre Johnson. He, oh, and oh man, this is a guy that I forgot about. Roman Harrison uh, is back there also. And so this, 
This is a solid group. Oh, J.J. Peterson, who, where the heck has that guy been? Wait, um, is he already a junior? I mean, is he? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> that is insane. Yes, Feels like J- just yesterday we were waiting to see if he was going to show up to campus. J.J. <laughs> Peterson watch, man. I, I remember. <laughs> uh, you got yeah, some so good young guys there, too. Bryson Eason. Yeah. Uh, the other guy from Memphis, Martavius French. Kevon Bennett, there's lots of options at linebacker. I don't know how it'll work out, but there's some fun options there that that'll be fun to watch. There is, and and probably the thing that I like the most about this position is is the guy that will be heading up the unit, uh, Henry Toto. Uh, it was announced. I guess Pruitt talked about it earlier. He's going to be calling plays for the defense um, and really running things back there, and. That kid is awesome. Um, has a really good head on his shoulders, mm-hmm. it seems like. And man, he's a good football player. <laughs> he's all over the field. Smart he's, dude. Yeah, it's total monster. His his football IQ is really high. I I just I haven't had a had a moment with him where I just go like, oh, what is he even doing? What is this? This is gosh, where's come out? What's he do? You know, I haven't had that. And he was a true freshman last year. The the, the fact that he's going to be the defensive play caller. And he's a true sophomore. I mean, come on. Uh, I think that, to some sense, that tells you what you need to know. Uh, yeah, I think he's. Him. I think he's going to make the guys around him better too. He's going to be good for guys like Jeremy Banks. He's he's going yes. to teach those guys a lot. I mean, he's a leader on the field. He leads by example. He's going to be good for the whole unit and really linebackers. Pruitt. I know Pruitt is a defensive backs guy, but. He was great with linebackers at Georgia, and that's kind of what excites me about this is he's he's really good at developing linebackers, and we could see some future NFL players out of this group, I think. I, I really agree. This is a position that I am very excited about and I think has a lot of potential. And it really, on, on top of having some some really nice leadership at this position, uh, the, the return of the explosiveness of Jeremy Banks is very exciting to me also. I want him to take advantage of his second chance as much as possible, but man, he was really exciting uh, when he got his few chances that he's gotten. I think, didn't he have, isn't there a game where he had like multiple interceptions? Yes. Oh yeah. No, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Was it the uh, Chattanooga game last year? Maybe. Yeah. That sounds right. And he, so, I mean, he, he can make plays. Obviously, you saw him at, at running back, and he was really exciting. But he he can bring that athleticism. No, he's, he wants to hit somebody. I mean, he was born yeah. to play linebacker. He might have wanted to be a running back, but he's a linebacker. And Pruitt knew it. I mean, to his credit, Jeremy Pruitt knew that Banks was a linebacker. Yeah, and, and, it, and it seems like Banks has sort of a renewed sense of, I'm here to do what's best for this yeah, team. Yeah, whatever you need, I'll do type attitude. Yes, which is great. And I hope that he Which, lives up to all that potential. To his credit, he was playing some linebacker before he got in trouble, wanted to play running back, but he was still willing to go play linebacker. It's not like he refused by any means, but now it's kind of more like, whatever you want, I'll do it. I don't care. Yep. And hopefully that all comes to fruition and and kind of like some other guys on the team, just don't get into any trouble. Just work hard. Uh, yeah, don't be Isaiah Wilson. Just stay away from all the trouble. Ah, dude, yes, please. If there's any example of what not to do, do not be the guy that it looks like the Titans might have w- wasted a high draft pick on. Mm. Uh, but hopefully, 
Hopefully that's not the case. Haven't seen him play a down of football yet. He does have a lot of talent. Yes, he he was very talented. Uh, But it does seem like off the field, he's not exactly uh, the best guy ever. (laughs) But (laughs) there's that. Um, And then this is sort of like the linebackers on this depth chart that Dan made. He he breaks this out like way more than you really need to. And you can go read it. Like I said, it's a Vols wire, his projected depth chart. Um, But he he does break it down into corner and safety. And at, at corner, you have... Bryce Thompson, Warren Burrell, Kenny Solomon, Sean Schamberger, and then Kenneth George, Alante Taylor, Keyshawn Lawrence, and Kenny Solomon. This is this is a good group. I mean, Bryce Thompson, obviously, um, a kid who's he's not had the, the best off-the-field record so far, uh, but when he's on the field, man, he makes some plays. And in this, I I like what I've seen from, from this defensive back group. Yeah, I mean, Bryce Thompson's another guy that, I mean, he missed the first two games of the year last year. Yeah, Is I that, think so. Right? I mean, him yeah. and Batuli, I mean, that's a bit, that was two important players, probably the main reasons Tennessee lost that those two games. Really talented, Alante Taylor. I'm excited to see uh, Keyshawn Lawrence. I think yeah. this guy is going to be a great player. I think he's going to be all over the field. He's a future NFL draft pick. I'm excited to see. And he's a borderline. I think he was the highest rated player in Tennessee's recruiting class. I think he that think his, right. uh, overall rating was higher than Bailey's. So he's really a guy that didn't really get the hype that he probably should have, I guess, because of Bailey. And I and I think we're we're not really sure exactly where he'll he'll play yet. I he came in as a safety. Um, Dan lists him as a corner, although he may, I haven't, yeah, he also lists him as a safety. So, um, he, he could fall in at either of those, just a de- defensive back. And obviously this is the position. This is Jer- Jeremy Pruitt's position. He was a defensive backs guy. Uh, I, I'm very confident in what he's going to get out of this set uh, of players. He'll put them in the right position wherever they need to go. But Keyshawn Lawrence is really exciting. As you said, highly rated guy coming in. He was, he was a Four star, I would say, is this? He was a 0.965 rating, uh, which I think is like borderline five star. Yeah, it's a high so, four star. Yeah, um, that according to two four seven sports. Um, so he's he's an exciting guy, but also at at safety you have Trevon Flowers, guys like Tyus Fields, um, Jalen McCullough, another guy that you've seen good things out of Theo Jackson, who. I thought we were going to see more of Butch's staff was very complimentary of Theo Jackson. And then we didn't see much of him. I, I remember before Butch's final year, they were like, Oh, Theo Jackson, he might be the guy that really steps it up this year. And then it just never really materialized for whatever reason. Also Cheyenne LaBruza, the Nico slaughter, which I really want to see him play. Cause mm. that name is awesome. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, kind of another exciting young guy. Uh, and it's it's that's a solid it's a solid oh, yeah. bet back there I mean, in, in the defensive backfield. Flowers was was hurt last year, I believe, and he was somebody that showed a lot of potential uh, as a true freshman. So I'm excited to see him back in there. I think that was the guy that Clemson really wanted to sign during the recruiting process, and and he was Sounds a three, right. three star, but he wasn't. I don't know. I guess he wasn't rated correctly by the recruiting services. That happens sometimes. But Tennessee was able to get him, and he played well and got hurt. So with him back, it is a lot of good depth at that position. A lot of good young talent should be fun to watch. 
It should be. And and with the, the defense in general, I, I do kind of look, and I obviously we mentioned it plenty when we were talking about them, that defensive line, going to need to see it prove itself. It's a question mark almost across the board um, outside of Durrell Middleton. Maybe, I mean, maybe they are, some dudes are going to emerge, but otherwise, when you look at linebacker, defensive back, I I really, I like what I'm seeing there. And I think the defense, the way that they ended the season, and you you lost some some important pieces, you lost some leaders, but you kept the bulk of a really good set of, of players on that defense, and I think they're only going to get better. I, I, I like Tennessee's defensive unit in general and the, the direction that they're headed in, but yeah, the, the anchor that is the defensive line, need, I need to see what they're made of. Yeah, and having a new defensive line coach, too, kind of puts another question mark That's in that true. whole equation yeah. with Jimmy Brumbaugh. So, Didn't even think about know, that. Maybe he's a positive. I mean, the players seem to be responding well to him so far. Maybe he takes them to the next level. Although Tracy Rocker, the defensive line coach before, was a good position coach. He he didn't recruit well, and that's kind of why they moved on from him. They wanted somebody that could recruit a little better. So hopefully Brumbaugh is a good teacher and is able to develop these players and also take Tennessee's recruiting there up a notch. We'll see. How it goes, uh, that's an unenvious position that Brumbaugh is in, but maybe he he grabs by the horns and they surprise us all. I, I really hope that that happens. That's in general with this team. I, I would say when I look at this depth chart, it comes down to Jarek Arantano's play, the general play of the defense. Can, can they be as good as they were down the stretch last year? If they can manage that, and Jarek Arantano can put up enough points, I mean, I think this at a minimum is like a six-win team out of this 10-game schedule. And then if you can put the icing on top of that and and get over a, a Florida, get over a Georgia, win some of those games that you haven't been winning for years now. Um, I, the, the potential is there, but it is pulling that potential out uh, that I, I think Pruitt, has the ability to do we've seen it at times but i want to see it more obviously um but just in general the the talent is there but it's a lot of young guys there's a lot of young potential we we talked about potential a lot in that review of the depth chart uh but i i think this is a a pretty solid sec team that should just get better over the course of the season and we'll i mean we'll just see where it goes yeah i think the one thing that this team, they're not the well, well-oiled well machine that they're going to be under Pruitt at some point yet. Last year, they relied a lot on Jawan Jennings and just kind of the attitude he brought to the team. That's my one concern this year is that they don't really have that guy. Maybe it's Eric Gray. Um, I don't know really who else on offense it would be, but just kind of that. Jawan Jennings raised the play of everyone around him. He was intense. He made everybody a better player. He made everybody compete harder. And this is a team that still kind of needs that. It's not like everybody goes out there and it's not Alabama where you just restock and reload. Tennessee, I think, will get to that point under Pruitt because that's the kind of coach he's proved to be. 
they're not there yet. So not having that Jennings personality this year kind of concerns me. Yeah, I, I look at this and I certainly say, who is that big time leader that this team definitely needs? With with how much, as I mentioned, with how much youth and potential there is on this team, who is that guy? Obviously, we mentioned Trey Smith, but at the offensive line, there's only so much Trey Smith can do from there. Obviously, he can be on the sidelines uh, guiding guys, but he's he's the anchor of the offensive line and needs to be like a Jared Garantano. And while, while Jared has been good in some games, I do not look at him and go like, that's the field general for sure. He's these guys. He and insp- he inspires those guys out there on the field. Like, I don't get that out of Jared. He just it hasn't been that way. I wish it was, but it hasn't been that way. Uh, and they need that badly on both sides of the ball. Now, I think Henry Toto could be that for the defense for sure. He isn't a flat out dude who who plays really hard. And um, Jeremy Banks will bring some of that energy. I hope so. Yeah, not really real leadership so much, but he will bring a lot of energy on defense. I hope it's Eric Gray. I think Eric Gray has the personality. I I have high hopes for him being kind of not just a good player, not just a Ty Chandler. Tennessee's had a lot of running backs that were decent. Your Marlon Lanes guys that got the job done, but they weren't big personalities. I think Eric Gray can kind of cross over into that Jawan Jennings territory. He's got that type of personality and ability. Man, I hope so. Cause that without a doubt, there, that, there's like certain players for Tennessee that are just beloved. I mean, Jawan Jennings is that guy. I can tell you kind of behind the curtains here, whenever I write stuff about Jawan Jennings, the response is astronomical compared to writing about Marquez Calloway. Same thing You're for guaranteed. Josh Dobbs. Same thing for Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs has that same draw. I could write something about Tyler Bray, Garantano, or any of these other Justin Worley. Nobody cares. Josh Dobbs. It doesn't matter what it is. People read it. AJ Johnson is another one that's kind of yeah. similar in that. I think Eric Gray is entering that territory. I really do. And I, I definitely, when you mentioned Jeremy Banks, I definitely get that feeling out of him too because he was going mm-hmm. down that road when b- before things went bad and went south. Uh, he was kind of garnering that reputation as, as a guy that really got that response out of, out of the fans, brought that energy. Uh, so I, I would love to see it out of Gray. want to see it out of Banks. want to see it out of Toto. And more than anything, I want to see it out of JG because this, I really do feel like this team's going to go as the quarterback goes. And please, please be good. Please. We're begging you, Jarrett. Well, the good news is that this year of eligibility does not count. So maybe if it doesn't happen this year, maybe next year is the year JG turns the corner for this year number six. Uh, yeah, no comment there. Uh, <laughs> We'll, we'll cross that bridge if and when it comes. Uh, hopefully, he just plays good enough to be an NFL draft pick. That's there the ideal go. situation. Let's He's going to do that. He'll he'll be a draft pick for the Vols this coming year. But uh, that's that's it. I mean, we man, this has been, we've gone an hour three. Great episode, great breakdown, and the football season is almost here, folks. It is getting real. Next week, we'll, we will have a full breakdown uh, of those losers over in Columbia. 
and uh, and what that game is going to be like. And uh, we'll we'll do that, cover it all, and otherwise, any parting thoughts for the good folks uh, at home, Zach? I just can't wait to get to this next week of the college preseason to get to real football. That's all I want to get to. We're almost there. Come on, baby, and uh, tighten up. Let's go, Titans. Do not lose. Don't let me down. Ryan Tannehill, you're getting a fat paycheck. You better play well, boy. I can't wait to see the Jarrell Casey interactions with the Titans. That should be fun. Uh, yes, I, I mean, I, that was the weirdest move at the same time. I mean, we got Clowney, and I love Jarrell, but like, and I know there's some bitterness there, but I like this Titans team. Uh, but hey, I might not be. I dude, I say that I've had Titans teams where I go, man, this could be the year, and then we win like two games. So I'm not actually gonna say anything. I'm just gonna assume we're probably gonna lose tomorrow. I'll just, you know, that's my fatalistic Titans fan take. <laughs> We're losing tomorrow. It's over. The season's over. Just throw in the towel. Because uh, that attitude got me a trip to the AFC Championship game last year. A completely fatalistic uh, loser mentality. And we made it to the AFC's Championship game. So maybe if I just do that again this year, uh, we'll make it there again. Except we'll make it to the Super Bowl this time. Anywho, um, that's it. At Charlie underscore Burris. At Zach TNT on Twitter. At A to Z Sports. A to Z Sports Nashville.com for everything that Zach writes. Make sure you don't miss it. The A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Go subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Otherwise, I think that is it. Play my uh, the outro music here. I forgot to, to play it. Langhorn Slim, great song. Uh, I think that's it. We'll see y'all next week. We're actually talking about a football game. Let's go. Yep. See you guys later.